Welcome to Pursue Ministries. You're listening to Men's Fraternity, Session 12, Man and His Wife. The speaker is Bill Howard. I came across a article with regard to husbands and wives, and it's called The Husband Store. And it's a store uh, that, again, recently opened in New York City. And believe it or not, it's where they sell new husbands. And uh, so it's where a woman may go to choose a husband. Among the instructions at the entrance is the description of how the store operates. So you may only visit this store only once if you're a woman. There are six floors and the value of the products increases. The shopper ascends the flights. The shopper may choose any item from the particular floor or she may choose to go up to the next floor, but she cannot go back down except to exit the building. So a woman goes to the husband's store to find a husband. On the first floor, sign on the door reads, door one, floor one. These men have jobs, that's it. So she's intrigued, but she continues to the second floor where the sign reads, these men have jobs and love kids. And she thinks that's pretty nice, but I want more. So she continues upward. She goes to the third floor where the sign reads, These men have jobs, love kids, and are extremely good looking. Wow, she thinks, but feels compelled to keep going. So she goes to the fourth floor and the sign reads, These men have jobs, love kids, and are drop dead good looking and help with housework. Oh, mercy me, she exclaims. <laughs> I can hardly stand it. Still, she goes to the fifth floor and the sign reads, these men have jobs, love kids, drop dead gorgeous, help with housework, and have a strong romantic streak. She's so tempted to stay, but she goes to the sixth floor where the sign reads, <laughs> you are a visitor, 31,456,012 to this floor. There are no men on this floor. This floor exists solely as proof that women are impossible to please. <laughs> Thank you for shopping at the husband's store. <laughs> okay, and they have a please note here. To avoid gender bias, the store's owner opened a new wife's store just across the street. And here's how this wife's store works. The first floor has wives that love sex. The second floor has wives that love sex, have money, and like beer. The third, fourth, fifth, and sixth floors have never been visited. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of wives and husbands, right? We are going to lay out the biblical view of a marriage today. If you recall, when God created man, he created man in stereo. So he created man, male, and female. And so together he created him or man. So what's really interesting guys is that uh, much of who you are and especially if you're married is wrapped up in the woman you're married to because the Bible says the two become one. If you remember I'm, I'm sort of being theological here but in uh, John 17 Jesus said, I pray, he's talking about his disciples, I pray they, the disciples, may be one as we are one, 
And Jesus is talking about his relationship with the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's this oneness thing, this connection, this intimacy that uh, you can have with uh, another guy, but it's not like what you can have with your wife, right? There are things you can do on a golf course with a guy, but there's things that you can't do in other places with a guy, right? That you can do with a woman. Because, uh, and one of those is having kids and so on. So, uh, as we look at this, guys, a man and his wife, a view or a biblical view of a marriage, let's just jump in here and take a look at what uh, Peter, who interestingly was a fisherman, has to say about marriage. And it's a great passage. And if you've never memorized this passage as a husband, it's one of those you need to get on your hard drive. Uh, because it says this, Husbands, live with your wives, <coughs> which is really interesting, because the tendency for a husband is not to want to live with his wife. Because to live with a woman is to live with someone really different than you. By the nature of her gender, by the nature of her temperament, and so on. Uh, the way I would describe getting married personally was, was an invasion of privacy. Because there's another human being now that's going to open your underwear drawer. And she's going to be messing around with everything you got. And so it's a very unusual experience, and yet we're wired for it, aren't we? We think about our wife, and we love our wife, and yet it's also a place where it can be a very difficult relationship because she's so different than us. So that's why the Bible says husbands live with her, by contrast, living without her, which is easy to do, isn't it? Because if you're not going well in your marriage, it's easy to jump out and go do, and live somewhere else. In other words, get involved in a hobby, get involved in your work, get involved with your friends, but you begin to neglect your wife. It happens, it's very easy the older you get, if you're not careful. So husbands, live with your wife. The question then is how? He says, in an understanding way, since she is a woman, as with a weaker vessel. Okay? So how do you live with a woman? In an understanding way, or if, we, if I can phrase it this way, you live with her understanding she's a woman. That's kind of what Peter's saying. In other words, she's not a guy. So you can't treat your wife like a man because she's not a man. She's a woman. She's a female. Okay, so let's look at this phrase here uh, in an understanding way. And what does it mean literally? Well, it literally means live with your wife according to knowledge. That's sort of the phrase. Meaning that uh, she versus guesswork, by the way. In other words, don't live with her according to guesswork. Uh, you remember when you're in high school and you're trying to date and you're trying to figure out what a girl likes and Sometimes, you're, you know, I remember thinking it's, you know, she, a girl would want a guy with muscles and strong and they don't care about that. But you think they do. And so what do they want? See, you kind of guess, but then all of a sudden you're guessing and you realize uh, some of the things that I thought that a woman wants is not what she really wants at all. And so this idea here then is live with her according to knowledge 
with regard to who she is. So guys, in a marriage, uh, a lot of guys tend to think that they want to give their wife what, she, what they think she wants. But really what you do is you have to give her what she really needs. And one of the ways you find out, it's a very simple way. You know what it is? You got to ask her. You got to talk to her. You have to get to know her. You just can't guess. That's part of the journey for guys is the whole communication process is very difficult for a man. You know, it's funny when we're dating, it's easy to talk, isn't it? It's like you meet a girl and you like her and you want her to like you and you can talk about everything. And then you get married and all of a sudden uh, you find sometimes it's difficult to talk about a lot of things. Uh, it's a challenge then for a man to get into the mind of the opposite sex and begin to anticipate what she may do, where she may go, what she may be thinking. I can tell you if you can anticipate a thought of a woman and you sort of capture that and bring it to light, she'll think you're the most, listen, she'll think you're the strongest man on the universe. A lot of it, guys, is just getting to know your wife. You know, what's her favorite color? What's her favorite food? Uh, where does she like to go on vacation? What's her favorite vacation spot? So on. In other words, find out things about her and anticipate those things and make it happen. But here's the thing. It takes work, doesn't it? That just doesn't come natural. It's something you have to decide that I'm going to live with my wife not according to guesswork, but according to knowledge. And that's the idea of living with an understanding way. Since she's with a woman, as with a weaker vessel, meaning that she is more fragile, she's more delicate than you are, okay? So then it goes on to say here, uh, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that, husbands, your prayers are not hindered. So it's real easy for a man to not honor his wife, but uh, there's a traditional top-down model that's, that can be conveyed out there. And this is how most women think about Christian marriage is that the, the husband's sort of the boss man. He's the beneficiary of life. He's the one that all things sort of come to him. Like he's the... CEO, and he's the one that gets the major perks. She's just sort of a sub-employee. That's how a lot of women think about a Christian, traditional Christian marriage. But here's the deal, guys. In the scripture, it's not so. Uh, because here's the deal. Husbands grant her honor. And the idea here in granting honor, guys, means as equal in value and worth. Remember, it's not good, the Bible said at the beginning, for a man, the masculine soul, to be alone. The word alone uh, in the Hebrew means incomplete. It's, it's not good. He's incomplete. And so God creates a helper to complete him. So she then comes alongside of him to complete him. And that's why somebody once said that it's why God didn't create something, take something from his head so he would be over her or something from his feet. So 
so she would be over him, but God took something from his side so she would be beside him. So it's equal value, different in function, okay? And so the two become one, and then God said, it's complete, it's good, it's done. They're out of the oven. Everything's good, okay? And so uh, my duty then, guys, is to make sure that my wife is enjoying life equally with me. And that's part of my task, to make sure that she's benefiting what uh, I get to benefit in. Now, if you think about it, uh, a woman works really hard. Here's what you don't want to do. If you have a wife and she's got some kids and you come home, this is the phrase you don't want to say. Hey, what have you been doing all day? Because she's going to feel very misunderstood and very devalued and underappreciated. Because she's going to sit there and think, now, I've got some of my friends that may not have kids and they're out there bumping around working and making money and they're driving something nice and they look good and they can fix themselves up and here I am, I got kids hanging on me like ornaments off a Christmas tree. And I got baby burp up on me and all that stuff and you come home and ask me, what are you doing all day? So you don't want to do that. Because here's the thing. You may have a job and you may get a perk. Somebody may say, great job, well done, you've met your goals and here's some money or whatever. Here's a vacation package. But she's working day in and day out, working with kids, for example. What does she get? Well, the only guy that's going to give her any information with regard to her value is guess who? The, her man. And so that's where, guys, it's part of our job, if you do have that scenario, to make sure that you elevate your wife and help her understand how valuable she is. Uh, there was a uh, survey done, this is probably about 15 years ago, but they asked the question of what jobs they esteemed of greatest value. And you know what was just above janitorial work? Motherhood. Because there is a thing, just as men now have been bought this really falsehood that somehow life is ultimately wrapped up in our career, women believe the same thing. And so if you really want to be fully woman, you need to have a career. And that's where you'll fully be identified with regard to your position on the planet. And unless you've got that, uh, you're sort of subpar. There was a lot of language coming out of the, the mid-60s and the early 70s, even in the 80s, that really infiltrated uh, women that still, uh, there's still the residue of all that out there. And many of you are married to women who deep in their back of the recesses of their mind, if they are married to you, they, as much as they're wired for that and like it, the world whispers to them, uh, you're really not the most significant thing on the planet if you're doing that, okay? And so that's why it's our job to make sure that we grant honor, okay? That's, that's why it says that. Grant her honor. Elevate her. By the way, in the garden, if you recall, guys, the very beginning of time, the tempter was appealing to the second nature of a woman because she was second made. 
And he appeals to that. And that's why he goes to her knowing she had already, even though she was innocent, she had within her this sort of thought. How come God and my husband have got this thing and he's given him this invitation of command, but I hadn't got it personally. And that's why when the serpent came, he said, listen, if you do what I'm inviting you to do, you will be equal with God and your husband. So apparently he already knew the woman had some sense of a feeling of inequality, even in the created order. Remember I told you about how first means something? So see, she's going to naturally feel that. And that's why it's real important. Husbands, grant her honor. Equal value. And then it goes on to say, if you don't do that, it says your prayers will be hindered. And by the way, guys, the prayer, the prayers here is not like a prayer. It's not a noun. It's actually, I'm sorry, it's not praying. It's not like your praying is going to be hindered because you're not getting along with your wife. It, it's a noun. Your prayers are hindered. It's sort of like your prayers are bumping the ceiling. So if we're not loving our wife in the correct way, your, your prayers are just staying in the room. That's how seriously God takes it. Let's go in and look at um, core roles and responses. And so we're going to sort of lay out a biblical model here uh, because our relationship, guys, with our wives must not be based on physical intimidation, the fact that we're stronger than her, or cultural limitations, but rather our relationship with our wife needs to be based on theological considerations. In other words, I'm created, she's created by God with a design and we're going to look at this design and the core role or the core nature of our design. The two biblical roles the Bible lays out, husband head, wife helper. Helper means husband lover. Head means servant leader. Symbiotic relationship of a marriage. Because the wife needs the husband, the husband needs the wife. And it's a mutual benefit for both. And guys, in regard to this, what you have then are core responses. And so on the arrow that goes from helper to head, I want you to write the term submission. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. And then on the arrow from the head to the helper, I want you to write the phrase praise and honor. And so the... Uh, and so here's what I want to do, kind of lay this out. What these roles are is what a husband should do in a marriage, what a wife should do in a marriage is we should cheer each other on for our roles. All I can tell you this, guys, if there's one of the most misunderstood things in our culture today, especially within the church, is this. Because as much as, as men, we don't know how to be or act like men, and so, you know, the premise, if you remember, if we don't know what a man is, you don't know what a man does. Well, as much as men are confused, so are women. So it's no wonder uh, almost one out of our two marriages that start in America today end in divorce. Because you've got two confused people now <laughs> who are coming into a God-instituted design called marriage. And neither one knows their core role. It's like starting a company and nobody has a job description. 
I mean, think about that. God didn't exist for us. We exist for him. He created you male and a woman female. And when you two come together, there's a core role that each one, a job description that our creator's given each of us to fulfill. So it's important to identify this. In other words, theological consideration will give oneness to your marriage. If you just try to make this on your own and do it on your own and come up with a a 50-50 version of marriage, you do your part and I'll do mine and sort of egalitarian, nobody's in charge, nobody's leading. Listen, there's not an institution on the planet that works that way. Somebody's got to lead. Or as the phrase, even in the political world, you'd say, the buck's got to stop somewhere. And I'm just telling you, in a marriage, the buck stops with the husband. And he's the head. The term head is not a position of prominence. It's a position of responsibility. So if you can imagine here again, equal value, two roles equal value, it's kind of like you have a husband who is the head of his wife. It's, it's, think of it this way, guys. Uh, two privates come and stand before a general. The general says, guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out in the field and I want you to do this and that and this and that and this and that. After you've done what I've commanded you to do, then he looks to one of the privates and says, by the way, I want you to come back and give me an account. It's your head. You're responsible for the task to be fulfilled. They're equal, both privates, but now all of a sudden the commander's given one of them the responsibility to bear the burden of coming back to make sure the mission's fulfilled. And so the two are out in the field and they're working and they're both privates, and yet all of a sudden the one goes, hey listen, when they come to a fork in the road, the one said, I'm telling you, we gotta go this way. He told us this is the way to go. The other goes, no, I think we gotta go that way. And you go, listen, I, you gotta understand, it's my head that's at stake here. I'm the one that's got to come back and give an account. And so that's the idea of headship. It's not a matter of rank, but it's a matter of responsibility. Okay? And the term helper, uh, again, in the created order, even in the design of God, if you remember Jesus said, it's not good, he told his disciples that I go away, but I'm going to give you what? A helper. It's the same reference that is given to the woman. So it's not, a, it's not a term of lesser. It's a term of function. Okay? So she, it comes alongside so that the two become one to fulfill their obligation before their creator. And to mirror the image of God in their marriage. Remember? God said, let us, plural, make man singular in our image, male and female. In stereo, he created man. You see all the, the singular plurals in there? Marriage is a, that's why the Bible says it's a mystery. Paul even referred, it's a mystery. Why? Because it reflects the nature and character of God. That's why the Bible starts with a marriage between a man and a woman and ends with a marriage between Jesus Christ and his church. Christ is called the groom and all of us who are followers of Christ are called his bride. See, marriage, guys, is a big deal to God. And so your marriage is a reflection 
of the nature and character of God. You probably never thought of it that deeply, but it is. And that's why you've got confused kids today. Because listen, you start messing with marriage, you're going to be messing with kids because where kids see and identify the nature of God is actually in their parents. Not parent. And it's not two men married and two women married that are raising kids. It's a male and female. It's the way God wired it. So it's no wonder you've got kids now growing up just totally confused. Because once you abandon the biblical premise of the nature of marriage, which is the reflection of an invisible God, then you're going to start messing with all those that come out of that. Right? That's why we are so sociologically in trouble in our culture. By the way, did you know America has the worst marriages in the world? We're the most prosperous country. We've got the worst marriages in the world. It's incredible. Because we are lost in this stuff, I'm telling you. Let me just give you these core responses. I told you woman is submission, respect, praise, and honor. Now let's talk with the guy's response here, guys, real quick, and then we're going to move on. Praise and honor, why do we put that as a core response? So that that man will keep her value and equality in his mind's view. And that's why uh, the scripture says in Proverbs 31, uh, a godly husband who's married to a godly woman, it says he praises her and says to her, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Why? Because she is not fighting with God in her created design. She's joining God. And, and being married to that kind of woman creates praise and honor so that that husband is reminded of her equal value and honor. Make sense? And then by contrast, her response to a husband is submission. Now, why is that in there? Well, because here's the deal, guys. This idea for her, it, the submission is a reminder for her to keep his leadership in view by not competing with him, but completing him. See, that's her core role. Her core role isn't to compete with her husband. It's to complete her husband. And so submission keeps her as a reminder in view that her job is to complete him. And in doing so, uh, she comes alongside with him and keeps him responsible with regard to his leadership responsibilities. You see, if she starts competing and taking over his core responsibilities, what's going to happen to the guy? He's going, to get, he's going to get passive. He's going to become a wiffle ball. He's going to sit on the dang bench. And he's going to let her do everything. That's why a lot of times if you talk to a lot of men, hey, tell me what's the key to marriage. And you know what most men will say? Just do what she tells you to do. <laughs> do what she tells you to do. You, I'm telling you, I can't tell you how much you hear that. Right? 
I'm not talking about fighting with your wife. I'm talking about you come together, but you're the leader. But see, what happens is, if a woman now all of a sudden competes with her husband and takes over, then the one thing that submission will create for her, if he leads, her response is going to be respect. I respect him. Because he's leading, he's caring, he's providing, he's protecting. Oh, no, no, he's not. No, I'm doing that. I'm the one that's in charge. See, he's not leading, providing, caring. I'm doing that. And, and you see now what the man really needs from this wife is respect. She ain't going to give it because she doesn't feel it. Because now she's feeling like I'm the leader. Are you with me? Now, by contrast, she needs from him love through protection, provision, security. But see, he's over here going, yeah, but you're the one doing everything. You're in charge. I mean, I don't even feel much for you. I don't love you because it's all about you. You're doing everything. So see, he doesn't love her. And when he doesn't love her, she doesn't respect him. And when he doesn't get respect from her, he doesn't want to love. And there you go. You got a marriage that's about ready to explode because neither one likes each other anymore. Right? Why? Because you're violating your core created roles. And see, what you're fighting with is not the person that you're married to. You're fighting with your creator. And you're in conflict with your creator. Okay? Okay, so let's keep going here, guys. By the way, servant leader, it's an interesting phrase here for the husband. Uh, it's kind of a mix, isn't it? Servant, leader. So you're as a husband, you're going, okay, I'm supposed to be a servant. So what's that mean? Do whatever she asked me to do? No. Well, to be a leader, to, to do everything, she's supposed to do everything I tell her to do? <laughs> See, it's, it's a swirl. It's like a chocolate vanilla swirl. They're both mixed in together. But here's the deal. If you're a husband and all you do is serve your wife, and yet all of a sudden she's feeling like you're leading because you're just a servant. You're, tell, she's, you're doing everything she tells you to do. And you know what you are? You may be going, I'm a good Christian husband because I'm serving my wife. But if you're not leading, you know what you are? You're a wimp. Now, if all you are is a leader and you're just telling her what to do, <laughs> I'm the head of this, man, whatever. <laughs> There's not many men that are going to do that. But if that's what you're doing, <clears throat> then you're a tyrant, right? And she's going to feel devalued. And she's going to be struggling with her own self-esteem. And so that's where Jesus said, obviously Jesus is a blend of both, is he not? I mean, he literally came to men. He said, come, follow me. Because he obviously knew that, and by the way, the best leader, if you remember, was the best follower. Jesus was in submission to his father. And the way to lead guys for us as men, that's why it's so, your spiritual life is so important, is that we've got to be connected to Christ who is our leader. And following him, modeling what Jesus modeled, Remember, Jesus said, I come to do my own will. I 
Cana is the one who sent me. So you tell your wife, listen, she needs to know that this is a part of your existence, that Christ is your head, that you're listening, you're listening to him. She's got to know that. If you're not in this, all I can tell you is, you come to your wife and start talking about what you're going to do, and she's going, well, who the hell are you? I mean, it's just you against me. I don't see you talking to God. I just see you. <clears throat> see that, guys? Because if the Bible calls her to be into submission to you, and you're not in submission to Christ, she's going, it's a war. It's a battle for control. But if she sees you in submission to Christ, and by the way, if she knows you're reading your Bible and you're praying with her, I'm telling you, she'll be going, hmm, I respect him. I see him submitting to Jesus Christ. Then when you start talking to her about things God's calling you to do, where you ought to go, where you ought to live, what job you ought to have, and she knows you're you know, praying with her and you're talking to God and you've got other men in your life, you see that? If you don't do that, it's, I'm just telling you, you're putting your marriage at risk. <coughs> and you're creating insecurity for your wife. Okay? Okay, let's go on here. Um, okay, core concerns. Let me just give you some arrows here to fill in. Uh, head and helper. Let's go from uh, uh, head over to helper. What is a core concern? In other words, what do we need to do to help our wives? Let me give you four core concerns for her. And that is the first arrow going from the head to the helper on the top there is you can write the term emotional responsiveness. She needs her husband to be emotionally responsive. We'll talk about that in a minute. Second one, significance. Thirdly, security. And fourth, companionship. That's what she needs from you. And then for... Uh, you, what do you need from her? Uh, what you need from her is companionship, which is a friend. And you need from her admiration, which is this idea of respect. Uh, guys, what would it be like? Maybe your wife says to you, honey, I love you, I love you, I love you. But, but how does this feel if your wife, if you came home today and you walk in and your wife said, honey, I just tell you, uh, I'd say yes to you a thousand times over. Why? Because there's not a man on the planet I admire more. Now, if you walk in, she's, honey, I love you. I love you. Kind of, see, that's kind of. <laughs> you know why? You know why that doesn't feel the same? Because that's not what you need. That's what she needs. Now, if you walk in and say, honey, I love you, honey. You're such a great mom. I value you so much. See, for her, well, see, for you, admiration, respect. Isn't it? it just feels so much better, doesn't it? Almost makes you go, I'd, I'd go fight a war for this woman. 
because she now she's elevated me, she's respected me, and has placed me in the position that I'm created to be in. There's that admiration that you need from her. You also need from her support. That's the third thing here, support. And here's what's interesting today. Did you know in the military, it takes seven guys in the support field to help one guy on the battlefield. So it takes seven in support to help one fight the battle. So every guy that you see out there warring, there's seven guys behind him uh, in various positions and places supporting that guy to fight. So here's what you have today. Is I think uh, today you've got, we're sending two people into the field of fighting another war. And, it's a, and so what you have is you've got a husband and wife now where they both leave the home, they both go into the marketplace, and they're both fighting for money. And so what you have at the end of the day is two war-weary workaholics who've lost their way. It's all about work and money. And they come home, and there's no support. Nobody's being supported, right? They're all, they're both worn out. And there you've got it. That's just sort of a crazy world we're living in today. Because as much as I told you, men have been duped to believe that domestic area of life is subsequent. Women now believe the same thing. And so you've got these two people now that there's no support at all that's occurring. So I've often used the phrase that what you have in marriage today is, uh, by the way, you know what a parasite, a tick is a parasite, a tick, right? It's a parasite. And for a tick to need, for a tick to live, what does it need? It's got to have a host. Here's what you have in marriage. Two ticks and no dog. You get two ticks that get married and they just start, start sucking the life out of each other. And there's no, God's not apart and you, they're just tired, exhausted and it just doesn't take long for two people to get married and realize there ain't nothing left here. You know? And now you feel like you're married to a roommate. Another person was just working. Uh, and then the last thing, guys, uh, here's your big deal. And that's that a man needs, you're probably waiting for this, he needs his wife to be physically responsive. If you were a group of women, here's what I would say to you. And this may help you as a guy, because this is what I tell women. There are two secret things about your husband. He may never tell you why sex is so important to him. Because men get beat up on this, don't we? It's almost like, well, we just like sex because we're perverted or we're just too sexual, over-sexual. Well, there's a reason why guys are sexual and the reason why it's a big deal in a marriage. You know why? Because there's two things about you that's deeply linked to your identity and to the insecurity a man often feels in his performance makeup. And so in the sexual area with his wife, here's the first question a guy's asking. Now, I know for some of you who are married, you might not, you, this will help you understand. But here's the deal. The first question a guy's asking is, can I perform as a man? 
And see, this is why, guys, when a man's cursed, what's, what's the second thing? Two, two areas a man is cursed in. One is because he, disobeyed, he listened to his wife. He disobeyed God and listened to his wife and usurped his position as leader. God judges him on that. And the second thing is his work. Because men are very performance make, they have a very strong performance makeup. And it's also true in a relationship with a woman. And so a lot of what you do, this is why guys will feel deeply that when you work and you're making money, this is so important. I always tell women, listen, what you want to do with your husband is tell him that you admire him in his work. You admire what he does in his work. You're proud of him for his work. You're thankful for his work. Because listen, if a woman tells a husband that, it, it fires him up. It fuels his soul. Because he's thinking to himself, because of our performance makeup, day in and day out, a guy will get up, he'll work, he'll perform, he'll do stuff, and he's going... Am I worth anything? It's what I'm doing matter, right? It's just the way we are. That's why I've always said when a man meets another man, one of the first questions he's going to ask the other guy within the first probably 30 seconds is what? What do you do? You see? Because of how you're performing in life, in your job, what do you do? Do, do, do. What do you do? In the same way in a marriage a woman's response to her husband is answering a question, you're doing great. You see that? You see, if she's not responsive and she's not willing, <coughs> she's not interested, all of a sudden it throws him into sort of a turmoil. I don't know if I, does she like me? I don't, know if I don't know if I'm doing good or not. She's not responding physically. You see that? I always tell women, I said, listen, much of what a man thinks of himself is what you think about him, and a lot of what he thinks about himself and how you think about him is how you respond to him in this area. Because it's identifying to him, I'm doing okay. See, if a guy's not doing well in the physical relationship with his wife, I'm just telling you, the other things then are not working right. So that's the first thing. And again, I've always told a woman, I said, it's not a man's ability to have an orgasm in the sexual area that identifies whether he's doing well or not. Uh, because what he's saying in the sexual area, again, is not, I have to have an orgasm. Is that, do you feel drawn to me by the way you respond to me? Because see, that's what's answering deep within his soul. Am I doing okay? And your response is telling me, yes, I am. Secondly, what a guy's asking is in the physical relationship is, do I give my wife pleasure? And so the real secret to sexual fulfillment for a man, again, I'm telling women this, but I'm telling you guys this because you probably don't even know this about yourself. But the real fulfillment for sexual pleasure for a man is not just the enjoyment he's going to get from being with her, but even more importantly, her enjoyment from being with you. Guys, this is why pornography is so tempting for a man. Because you've got a woman acting out in a way that's responsive. And that's why it's addicting to people today. See, it's a fantasy. But you're wanting that response, correct? 
Because what fires a guy up is it, it, what fires up more is the woman's response to that man. And see, what that's answering to the masculine soul is the insecurity he naturally feels. But when a woman responds to her husband, it's telling him, I'm okay. She's okay. I'm, we're okay. You see that? It's so core. And when a man, when, when the sexual area is not working in a marriage, then those two areas, a man feels uh, insecure and he feels of lesser value. But he's got a healthy relationship. He's going to feel of great value and very secure because he and his wife are together. That's why I always tell women when I talk about this, ladies, you do not realize how powerful you are in your husband's life in this area because nobody can answer these two questions except her. Pornography's not going to answer it. You're not going to get it on a golf course. She's the only one that can answer it. Because guys, listen, your marriage is a big deal. It's a big deal. And if you're married, now if you're not married, guys, uh, my guess is probably most of you would like to at some point in time. But if you're married, I'm just telling you, you're one now with your wife and much of your masculine soul will be identified in the feminine with her.